You guys are the diehards. <laughs> it's been a busy day, man. I know uh, uh, a lot of you here were here for the for the ministry meeting, and uh, and so God honors that. Man. God honors that kind of that kind of uh, uh, steadfastness. So that's it's really cool. Uh, we're in Psalm seventy four. If you guys want to turn there. Psalm 74 is a, uh, it was a psalm um, that was written at a, at a time when I first read it. You know, the psalms are usually, uh, either they're, they're very uh, uplifting. David is, is, you know, usually the author of a lot of the psalms. And, and uh, he's usually, you know, crying out to God or he's, or he's uh, um, you know, kind of lamenting something with, with God or, um, somehow there's there's this this communication between he and God, and it's usually um, in regards to something that's happening in his life at that particular time. Um, you know, there's uh, different psalms that um, have to do with you know when he was on the run from Saul or or from Absalom or there's some sort of betrayal going on, and so there's usually a, a backstory to some most of the psalms, and and they're pretty widely uh, accepted. And uh, so it gives us a little feedback or a little bit of uh, uh, understanding as to, you know, the mindset that that uh, the author, uh, whether it was David or someone else, was kind of going through at the time. Um, this particular psalm, from the commentaries that I read, uh, it has to do with the devastation that, that uh, Israel was under um, when they were kind of ran over by uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Absalom. I'm Nebuchadnezzar, the uh, Babylonian or the uh, Chaldean, and and uh, um, and so what this author is is kind of observing what's going on, and that seems to be the the um, the text of of this psalm, um, where he's merely seeing what's happening, and and what's become of the temple, you know, God's uh, holy place, right? And um, and so you know it's a little disconcerting when I first read it. I was like, man, you know, this is a bummer, man. This song, you know, I was like, and I, I even commented to 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 uh, Manny. I said, man, this 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 is a tough one. Um, but you know, the more I read it, and uh, the more I just kind of kept praying about it, and and uh, the Lord kept showing me um, just little little bits and pieces about it. I tell you what, my mindset really really changed towards it. And uh, so I'm hoping by the end of this psalm, um, it may be a blessing to you too. Um, we're going to go ahead and begin. It says that uh, in verse 1, it says, A contemplation of Asaph. All right, now Asaph, that's going to be your homework. That's going to figure out who Asaph is. I tell you what, I read some commentaries and some said it was a person. Some said it was a, uh, a description of those that were in charge of uh, uh, poetry and and song and kind of like a music director, it was kind of a, a title of that. Or some said that there were multiple Asaphs, and and so it's your homework, man. Try to figure that one out. Is uh, who exactly Asaph is? But this is a contemplation of Asaph. It says, "Oh God, why have you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture?" Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old. 
right off the bat, you see that this person is recognizing that, God, you're not here. You know, God, you've left us alone. He says, man, have you cast us off forever? I mean, right off the bat. I mean, how how worse can you begin a, a, a song? I mean, this is basically a song or... Uh, which you know we know psalms are are songs or it's even a worship it's communication to god right in some form right is a psalm and so this author is starting right off the bat saying man have you just wrote us off you know or have you just cast us off forever in verse two he says remember your congregation which you have purchased of old the tribe of your inheritance which you have redeemed this Mount of Zion, where you have dwelt. You know, again, a few weeks ago I spoke, and, and one of the things that, that stuck out to me um, in the psalm that I was reading at the time was how God chose Mount Zion. You know, and, and in the commentaries and different things that I was reading about the area and, and about that, because it was comparing it to Mount, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Bashan. And that you know, was like a mighty mountain, you know, that was like, it was the, it was on the Eastern, I guess, uh, part of Israel. And it was, uh, uh just like, uh, had peaks and valleys and was pretty awesome looking. He, and what this commentary has said was that, um, uh, Mount Zion compared to Mount Bashan was, was nothing. It was, it was barely a hill, you know, yet God had chose Mount Zion. And it was just so beautiful in how how that psalm went. You know, it was in regards to how God chooses us. You know, that of ourselves, we're not a whole lot. You know, we don't have a whole lot to offer God. But yet God chooses us when we choose him. You know, God is able to use, you know, the, the weak things of this world, right? The base things, the Bible says, in order to confound the wise. So... Um, this author here is saying, remember, you chose Mount Zion. You chose us. And he's reminding God. He says, lift up your feet to the perpetual desolations. The enemy has damaged everything in the sanctuary. Your enemies roar in the midst of your meeting place. They have set up their banners for signs. They seem like men who lift up axes among the thick trees and now they break down its carved works all at once. With axes and hammers, they have set fire to your sanctuary. They have defiled the dwelling place of your name to the ground. They said in their hearts, let us destroy them altogether. They have burned up all of the meeting places of God in the land. I mean, this is, this is dire, man. He's, he's seen what's going on. He's like a reporter. He's observing it. And he's saying, you know, our, this enemy has come in and they've basically just ran us over. They've gone into the holy places. Um, they've gone into where we have, you know, our, it says, you know, our, our signs that we lifted high. Um, they came in, it says they chopped them like, like uh, um, you know, with axes, like if they were tall trees. So it's saying, you know, that they came in there and just, just leveled the place, you know. And he's watching this. And he's just saying, you know, what, what is going on? You know, God, what's happening here? In verses 9 through 11, 
he continues, he says, We do not see our signs. There are no longer any prophets, nor is there any among us who know how long. O oh God, how long will the adversaries reproach? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? You know, in the past, the people, you know, they were given prophets. They were given men that, that spoke to God, you know, and then they would come back and they would kind of report back to the people, right? The Lord would, the Lord would speak to these men and they would communicate through, through uh, these prophets. And then the prophets would communicate back to, to these guys. And this person is saying, man, those, those guys are no longer around. You know, we're, we're, we're here and we're, um, we're seeing this thing. We're not um, hearing from you. I mean, this is as desperate as it gets, you know. Verse 11, it says, Why do you withdraw your hand, even your right hand? Take it out of your bosom and destroy them. You know, I like that. I like that part. He's saying right there, he seems to be making a turn. He's saying, you know what? All of this is going on. He says, but you have the power. You know, he's saying, take your hand out of your bosom. He's basically saying, take your hands out of your pockets. He says, God, you're standing there with your hands in your pockets. You know, I know that you see what's going on. But we're not hearing from you. We can't see you. And you must be standing up there just watching, doing nothing. You know, that's one of the things I love about the Psalms. And I, and I don't know if, it, you know, I don't care if it's David or any of the other Psalms, is that, you know what, they're real. You know, they're, they're communicating with God, but they're always, they're from the heart. You know, a lot of times, especially in, in prayer, not, not any of you guys. I mean, your, your guys' prayers are beautiful. But a lot of times, you know, you'll you'll hear prayers that sound almost rehearsed, you know, where, you know, somebody needs to, they, they need to feel like they say the right words, you know, or they they follow a certain format, you know, or something like that. Um, you know, I especially like Cynthia's prayer even today. Because you know what, man, it was, she was talking, you know, she was just talking. She was saying, Lord, you know, this is what's been going on. This is what's been going on in my job situation and in my family situation and, and, and Pat's prayer, you know, about her brother. That's beautiful because you know what? That's what prayer is. It's, it's just talking. It's just talking to God, you know, and, and it's from the heart. It's, it's, man, it's nothing fancy. You know, I love, I love Ray, man, Papa, man. I mean, how, I mean, it doesn't get any cooler than that. When you can, when you can call your heavenly father, Papa. You know, and know that he hears you and he's listening and you're giving your heart. You know, you're praying for your family, for your children, your grandchildren. Man, that is beautiful. And that's what we see here in, in, in this psalm is this person is being real with God. And he's saying, God, are you standing there with your hands in your pockets doing nothing, man? And he's saying, man, destroy them because what's happening here in the land. He goes on to. To further talk about that, about the power of God. 12 through 17, it says, For God is my king from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your strength. 
You broke the heads of the sea serpents in the waters. You broke the heads of the Leviathan in pieces and gave them as food to the people inhabiting the wilderness. You broke open the fountains and the flood. You dried up mighty rivers. The day is yours. The night also is yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. And you have set all the borders of the earth. You have made summer and winter. Man, he's saying, God, you are all powerful. You know, he started off the, the psalm saying, I don't understand it, but we're getting railroaded, man. You know, we are getting trampled. And we are your people. You know, we're your congregation. And he's saying, you have the power. And then he goes on to now say, you know what? You determine the sun. You determine the night. You determine the summer, the winter. He's saying, you are all powerful. And I think what the author is doing at that point is he's reminding himself of the God that he serves. Because you know what? When we're going through a hard time, when we're going through trouble and we can't see God, you know what? Sometimes we tend to focus on the problem. We'll tend to focus on what we see or maybe I should say what we don't see, right? Because we don't see God in it. We don't see God's working. We don't see um, signs of, of him, right? And what we need to do is something that this psalmist is doing. And he starts to remind himself of the God that he does serve. And he says, you've done this. You've done that. You've acted in the past. You know, he references the parting of the sea. You know, he, he goes back and he starts to remind himself of the miraculous things that God has done. You know, and that's a reminder for all of us, you know, that when... We do run into those situations where we're struggling, where there's a situation that is overwhelming. That we remember what God has done in our past. You know, we can go to the word and we can remember, you know, what God has told us. But we can also go back to our own lives. And in the past, see where he has been faithful. He has worked. He has saved. You know, he has come through. And... It's an important thing to remember because, like I said, our focus can sometimes get real, you know, derailed. And when our focus becomes our problem or our situation, then, you know what, that's nothing, that, that's something that the enemy wants us to do because our focus is off of the Lord. Verses 18, we're going to read through down through 23 is awesome because this author takes another turn and and uh, now he starts to ask God to act but not for their sake but for his sake verses 18 he says remember this that the enemy has reproached O Lord and that a foolish people has blasphemed your name but do not deliver the life of your turtle dove to the wild beast do not forget the life of your poor forever. Have respect to the covenant. For the dark places of the earth are full of the haunts of cruelty. 
O do not let the oppressed return ashamed. Let the poor and the needy praise your name. Arise, O God, plead your own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproaches you daily. Do not forget the voice of your enemies. The tumult of those who rise up against you increases continually. So in those in that section, he's basically saying, God, we you should act, not necessarily for us, but because of who you are and that we belong to you. You know, we're we went down to Rosarito yesterday and, and uh it was funny because I mean I had, you know, kind of been uh, reading through this and and like I said it was kind of a process you know because I mean I, I like to say I work better under pressure but I think my wife knows that I'm just I procrastinate man I, I keep putting things off and and uh, you know my wife always teases me you know because she'll be like oh, are you doing the study have you been doing it because at the last minute I'm cramming I want everybody to leave and I want a quietness and 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 everything and and uh, you know but she's like she'll, she'll always be faithful to remind me man that well if you started earlier you know but, but, but you know, it's, uh, uh, like I said, we were on our way down to Rosarito yesterday. So I take my Bible and my notebook thinking I'm going to, I'm going to do something with that two hour ride down there. And, uh, you know, and I'm really not, we're all talking and having a good time and, and, uh, and laughing and stuff. And so finally I, I crack open my Bible and I said, I got to get some, something down on paper, you know? And, um, it was so cool because I shared with the guys that were in the car with me in the truck with me that, that, um, you know, I was struggling with this, with this chapter. And so, uh, Martin was one of the guys, uh, most of you guys know Martin. He was, he was in the front seat. So, you know, I decided, you know what, man, I'm going to, I'm going to pick his brain. Maybe he got something pretty deep, you know? So I said, Hey man, read, read, read chapter 19. I said, well, what do you get out of it? You know? And, uh, so Martin reads it and, and, uh, he said, he was man, you know, he said, it reminds me of America, you know? And I said, oh, really, man? So we had a little discussion about that. And But one of the things that he pointed out that we discussed at some length was verse 19. He said, man, I just don't get it. I don't understand, I don't understand that. He said, oh, do not deliver the life of your turtle dove to the wild beast. And and I don't know if I'm right, you know, but, but what, I, what came to mind was that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you were poor... At the time of sacrifice, if you didn't have what was required for the sacrifice, you took a turtle dove because it was like the cheapest thing around, you know, and that you could offer that if you were poor. And what I was, what we were talking about was this author is basically saying to, uh, um, to God is that, you know what, our enemy is here. Remember where, like, your your sacrifice, where your precious gift, you know, and man, as we talked about that, man, it it reminded me of of the fact that that um, you know, we're really nothing. But it's saying here that God, you know, we're we're yours though, you know, we're 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 very little. We have nothing really of ourselves of any value. You know, but like in the in the sacrifice of a turtle dove, it was really the matter of the heart because it was worthless, right? But God required a sacrifice, and so 
you know, that person had to go and they had to give something, right? And so, you know, in our discussion, I was just like kind of blown away by that. You know, how, man, we are, we're of no value except for the value that God puts in us, right? Which is, you know, the fact that he sent his son to die for us. That gives us our value, right? And anyways, that, that stuck out at me was that, um, you know, we, we belong to the Lord, that um, it's really for his sake that, that this author is saying, you know what, Lord, we need you to act. We need you to, to do something. And as I thought about that, I was reading it. Like I said, I thought it was kind of a downer, the, the, the chapter. And um, I started to, to ask myself, I said, why, you know, why does God allow that? Why, why was God allowing this, this, like this dark season to happen, right? And, and as I thought about it, I was thinking about my own life. Why does God allow certain things in my life, certain dark periods, you know, to kind of rear their ugly heads? And I thought, you know what, it, it, I don't think God does it necessarily for punishment. I know that sometimes God did use other uh, nations to come in and, and uh, you know, basically whoop on Israel sometimes as a, as a means of punishment, of disobedience. But uh, you know what, I think it's really deeper than that. I think um, that God does, you know, allow times uh of this like this dark period um in order to get our attention in order to wake us up you know because our focus has been off of him or our focus hasn't been um where it should be and so he does it to really uh get our attention because you know when when do we actually uh tend to focus or refocus you know, it's during those desperate times. You know, I know with myself, you know, when things are going well, my my focus tends to be on other things. Very easy. I'm very easily distracted. But when a trial comes, a situation comes up that um, uh, is, um, you know, beyond anything I can do anything about, man, my focus zeroes in quickly on the Lord, on Jesus Christ. And man, I, you go to your knees, man, and there's no, uh, you know, uh, flowery words. There are, there are no um, uh, any kind of putting on airs to the Lord. Uh, like I said, you know, any kind of structure to my prayers. It, it gets re very real, very quick. And you're like, God, I need your help. Lord, where are you? I need you so bad. You know? And and like this, like this this chapter, um, again, that's communication, you know. This when you read this chapter, uh, one of the things I was listening to a, a commentary on it and and uh, one of the things that it mentioned was that um it seems to be all over the place, you know. One minute he's 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 saying God where are you and the next second he's saying you know God I need you and you know and and so he's kind of jumping emotionally he's jumping all over the place 
And you know what? I, it made me laugh because that's exactly how my prayers are. You know, when I when I try when I pray with the guys, let's say on Saturday morning or on Wednesday night or or what have you, um, you know, I think I can stay pretty focused. You know, and and especially with guys, guys are hard on other guys. I think you know, uh, you know, you kind of get boom, 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 boom. You get you get it all in there, and uh, and they're pretty pretty straightforward and they're and they're pretty uh, structured um, when you're praying. But uh, but when I'm praying in private, you know, when I'm praying, it's just me and God, you know, and I'm at home or um, by myself or and and it's just me and God and I'm crying out to him. You know what? My prayers are very much like this, where they are all over the place, you know, where at one minute I'm, I'm almost irreverent to God, kind of like this psalmist is saying when he says, man, are you just standing there with your hands in your pocket? You know, and at, at times I'm, I'm, it's almost um, borderline irreverent where, you know, you're like, God, what is up? You know, as if you can tell God what is up, you know, but it'll jump from there to being in tears, man. Knowing that, that, you know, you're at the end of your rope and you need God to step in, you know. And so, you know, and then from there, you'll jump to praise, you know, and you're, and you're saying, God, but, but you are awesome. I know that, you know, you, you've, you know, you've answered prayer in this area or that area before. And, and so, you know, we're just kind of all over the place, you know, and I think that's a good thing, man, because it like, again, man, it, it's being honest with God, you know, it's, it's opening up our heart, man, it's pointed out. And I think God appreciates that. But going back to. You know, the fact that that uh, that this was, I think, a time in, in Israel's history where they needed to refocus. Oftentimes in our lives, we need to refocus, you know, and a lot of those times it's when things are the darkest. Because when things are the darkest, um, you hold on even tighter. You know, when you don't see God. In your situation, when you don't see God um, in um, a problem that you're facing, you don't see him moving any, anything, you don't see him, um, uh, you only see things getting worse, you know, and, and so you hang on tighter. Um, you know, I was thinking about um, our kids and uh, um not mine in particular, but I mean, kids in general, how we don't want to see them go through any hard time. You know, we don't want to see them suffer. But yet, we know that it's necessary as they grow older, right? I mean, in order for them to suffer the consequences of the choices that they make. Because our hope is that those consequences are going to force them to do the right thing next time. And we know that if they can learn that lesson now, it's going to save them from something more devastating down the line. And you know what? I think God does the same thing with us. You know, where he'll allow a dark period in our lives in order that, you know what? We draw closer to him. We hang on tighter to him. Because... He's doing it for our benefit. In my reading, um, 
my regular reading, I was reading in First Chronicles. Uh, it was the uh, the story of of uh, David, and it's an it's an awesome awesome story. Um, it's the story of, of David when he was um, about to um, he was coming towards the end of his life. He's about to pass on the throne to to Solomon, and he wanted to build the temple, but God told him he couldn't. Uh, if you want to turn to First Chronicles chapter twenty eight. It's an awesome, uh, like I said, an awesome piece of scripture there. Because like I said, David is kind of coming towards the end of his his uh, his reign there. And let me read it. it it's, uh, we're going to read just the first ten verses. It says, Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes and the captains of the divisions who served the king the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds and the stewards over all the substance, substance and possessions of the king and of his sons, which the officials, the valiant men and all the mighty men of valor. Then King David arose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had preparation to build it but God said to me you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood however the Lord God of Israel chose me chose me above all of the house of my father to be king over Israel forever for he has chosen Judah to be the ruler and of the house of Judah the house of my father and among the sons of my father he has pleased he was pleased with me to make me king over all Israel and of all my sons for the lord has given me many sons he has chosen my son solomon to sit on the throne of the king of the kingdom of the lord over israel now he said to me it is your son solomon who shall build my house and my courts and i have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. If he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance to your children after you forever. And this is the awesome part. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. Ah, this is the good part. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. 
You know, and uh, when I read that, oh man, it just uh, it just spoke to me because David was speaking to his son and just seeing just the the weight of what was coming, and he said, uh, "Seek him." And I thought, you know what? When do you seek God? You know what? You seek God when you can't see Him. You know, when He's plainly right in front of you, you don't have to look very far. Man, but it's when you can't see Him. Is when you got to seek Him. And He's begging His Son right there. There's going to be a time in your life when you can't see him. And it's going to be hard. And you're going to have a lot of choices in front of you. And he's saying, man, seek him. Because we serve a God that is faithful. And that if we seek him, we'll find him. And so that psalm was a time when uh, Israel couldn't see God. When they were getting beat up, they were getting run over, they were getting trampled on. And uh, I think the message is the same, man. Seek Him, man, and you're going to find Him, no matter how dark it is. Now, I'm not doing 75. Rick's going to be doing 75 <laughs> next week, and I don't want to steal any of his thunder, man, but I don't want to leave on a, on a, on a downer note. Um, let's read the first two verses, man, if it's okay with Rick. We're going to read the first two verses of 75. It says, We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks. For your wondrous works declare that your name is near. And then this is God speaking. When I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. You know, I wanted to end with that because when we face those dark times, like Israel was facing there, we're going to face them in our own lives. You know what, man? God is, God is going to show His face, man. He's going to show Himself strong. We belong to Him. We're His children. He's not going to leave us hanging. He's going to come through. But you know what? It's going to be in His time. In His time. And we need to hold on, man. We need to hold on. And He's going to come through. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank You for uh, for Your Word, Dear Heavenly Father. And, and uh, Lord, I know it wasn't much tonight, Lord, but... But Lord, I thank you for just uh, speaking to us, dearly Father, Lord, to uh, our hearts, Lord, and and uh, Lord, when things seem the darkest, dearly Father, Lord, when we see uh, the enemy seeming to to trample uh, over us, dearly Father, or our loved ones, and causing havoc, Lord, help us never to lose sight to the fact, Lord, that you are on the throne and you are waiting for the opportunity, Lord to show yourself strong. 
waiting for us to cry out to you, Lord, to call out to you. And Lord, just to, uh, uh, Lord, remain faithful, generally, Father. No matter the circumstances, Lord. Lord, I lift up the needs of every person here, generally, Father. That, Lord, whatever they may be facing, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, that um, is that situation, Lord, that seems overwhelming, Lord, I pray that you would comfort them. Lord, we pray that you would act, Heavenly Father, according to your will. And that, Lord, most of all, Lord, that you would be glorified, Lord, in the outcome, Lord. And that we would be able to point to the fact that you were faithful. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord, and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.